1: Thanks for staying with us here on Money FM 89.3. Now, we've all heard about greenwashing. That's when companies exaggerate their environmentally friendly credentials. But Lynn, have you heard of green hushing? No, not really. What is it all
0: about? It's actually the opposite of greenwashing, I hear.
1: That's right, but people have been keeping it a little hush hush. Get it? Uh, yes, it's when firms da- deliberately downplay underreport or even keep silent about their climate targets and commitments. Now, I I suppose this is for fear of bad
0: publicity or being shamed if they fall short with a COP28 Agenda this year is expected to include a global stock taking exercise that will review progress on nationally determined contributions to reduce emissions by 2030.
1: We will find out how much of a concern this rising phenomenon is. That's right. We're joined on the phone this morning by Christina Angelova, who she is the head of Asia Sustainable Finance at WWF Singapore. Christina, good morning. Good morning, Linley and Rachel. Hi, great to have you with us. So let's talk about green hushing and start off with this wider push that we've seen to become going greener. We've seen this kind of pushed out over the last few years on the back of the pandemic. Um, But that said, though, as this sector has continued to grow, so has the scrutiny by the media, NGOs and the public. I mean, quite often we'll see on a daily basis in the paper a company criticised for greenwashing, has this then led to the rise in green hushing? So companies are essentially
2: hedging the risk of overclaiming right by remaining silent.
1: Mm.
2: Now this could be their chosen direction because indeed they've witnessed greenwashing call outs or other bad experiences. However, we should not lose sight of where we're headed, and what re- remains important is that all organizations should disclose. Both impacts and dependencies, including climate nature and social matrix, into those. Now, with new regulations, hopefully this will tackle this issue of green hushing, especially if companies and organizations are denying to disclose poor performance mm-hmm. uh, instead of the opposite, uh, overselling it. So, But generally, the paradigm of corporate climate action understandably comes into new pressures due to the lack of the time that we have, right? when it comes to achieving net net zero. So it's really critical to strike a balance between being truthful and using this collaborative model for for, um, solving industry-wide issues. And on the point of new regulations, for example, we Mm -hmm. see quite a strong push from the EU that will eventually trickle down here into Asia as well, just in the regard of, of supply chains, we see this new regulation that, that no imports can come into the EU that cannot now prove that they are deforestation free. So many of these hopefully will come up and and hopefully this will be uh, one way of solving this issue.
1: That's right. We've only got to have a look at what's happening here in Singapore for Singapore listed companies and their ESG disclosures. So, how much of a concern is green hushing for you? Or do you think green hushing is eventually going to be hushed up too? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, again, going
2: back to all of the new regulations that are coming out mm-hmm. and indeed the need for the global community to work together and, and front runners that are actually looking at the issues seriously um, and disclosing in a transparent manner hopefully they will serve as an example for others to follow
0: talking about the global community let's talk a little bit about the wwf sustainable banking report now it's assessed the environmental and social integration performance of 36 banks in southeast asia and 10 major japanese and korean banks the report found that uh, Singaporean, Indonesian and Malaysian banks met at least 70% of the criteria on recognising nature-related risks. And on average, Singaporean banks are doing better. Why is that so? So I'll address your question in just a second, but maybe for those listening, I know we've discussed so
2: far the sustainable banking tool here mm-hmm. before, but maybe just a quick introduction for new listeners. So the sustainable banking Um, is not only an an assessment report um, that we issue each year, but it's actually an interactive tool for Mm, banks that enables assessments as well as benchmarking of their ESG or their environmental, social, and government integration performance on both general environmental as well as sector-specific issues, and most notably um, what we consider high-risk sectors such as energy, palm oil, Um, And this year, the inaugural seafood sector assessment as well. To your question, um, why some countries are ahead of others, and in particular, looking at the case of Singapore. um, Additionally, this year, we did a comparison between the banking assessment and the other assessment that we have, SUSREG, which is for regulators and central banks. So a lot of acronyms today. And we found there is actually a correlation between regulatory expectations regulatory support and the direction generally in which the banks in those countries are moving. Also, what's important to acknowledge is the country's NDCs or nationally determined contributions which illustrates the long-term commitments to reduce national um, carbon emissions and just generally the direction of the countries, right? So looking at Singapore, of course, we have the National Singapore 2030 Green Plan. On the finance side, we have a lot of um, different uh, introductions in the last couple of years. Right, MAS issues the environmental risk management guidelines on the data and the green fintech development side. We have uh, ESGpedia, ESGenome launched in tandem with the Singapore Exchange um, uh, launching. The requirements or mandating TCFD-aligned disclosures across all sectors from 2023, launched to 2024. So there are many other examples, including, for example, um, uh, uh, one, one other important thing I want to mention here as well is the introduction of the Institute of Banking's
1: mm-hmm.
2: Well Sustainable Finance Technical Skills Competency, made to also bring up and really improve the rigor of sustainable finance knowledge within the finance sector in general. All of this trickles down to the private banks as well. And we see that in the fact that the three Singapore banks had net zero commitments. One of them also published a transition finance framework in taxonomy,
1: etc etc yeah no christina just on the back of that i mean this conversation is extremely timely obviously we have the singapore budget taking place next week sustainability a key theme as you mentioned the singapore green plan as well sustainable finance is expected to be a key thrust in this year's budget some are expecting that we could see the implementation of a national blended finance framework what are you expecting from the singapore budget when it comes to sustainability
2: well, I think just in terms of the blended finance, mm. um, and, and these, these are important mechanisms, right? Because we do see when it comes to particularly energy transition in Asia, yeah. we see many countries saying that, you know, uh, of course, their, their government or their development finance has limited balance sheets. So for that reason, the region needs a lot of capital, global capital to flow in, to go into transition or green finance. So these public partners, uh, public-private or even philanthropic partnerships are key in these blended finance mechanisms to make these uh, projects basically bankable.
0: Right. So what exactly do you think is the most pressing challenge in getting the buy-in or in other words, financing for such projects?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, indeed, I already mentioned, actually, just last week, there was a publication around um, how now green investment into clean energy matches that of fossil fuels, totaling $1.1 globally, which is good news. But the thing we have to still acknowledge is a lot of that money is going into crowded markets, right? It's going into your um, U.S., into some of your EU markets, and not as much as flowing down to the global south. And some of those reasons might be, indeed, the lack of regulatory clarity as well as alignment. And, of course, for investments, that means the less clarity. There is the higher the risk of financing or cost of capital or essentially no flow at all. Um, so there needs to be better regulatory alignment and clarity as well as in some of these projects, um, you know, depending on, on the type, of course, but in particular with infrastructure, there could be some project design challenges as well as labeling, certification taxonomies, etc. That there are different solutions um, that are being built up in the face of PPPs that are starting to tackle these challenges.
1: Christina, you know there's just so much to cover on this front, but very quickly before we let you go, there's one topic that I wanted to get your thoughts on, and that was this article that I picked up from The Guardian, and it talks about a recent investigation into the Vera carbon standard, and it found that uh, most are phantom credits. In fact, the headline reads, more than 90 90- percent of rainforest carbon offsets by biggest certifier are worthless. You know, given the position of carbon offsets and carbon credits when it comes to the overall landscape for sustainable finance, I just want to get your take on this.
2: Well, while I'm not best positioned to unpack the debate going on in the past few yeah. weeks around the offset space. And um, I will share that all climate and nature methodologies around, um, you know, a- anything related to climate and biodiversity mm-hmm. should be robust. And there should be constant reevaluation that we are actually doing more good than harm. Yeah. Um, however, forest restoration projects are highly important and it's critical that finance still keeps on flowing into these.
1: Okay, Christina, that's a good point to end on. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you Christina. very much. Such a pleasure. Thank Wonderful you. Wonderful to have you with us. We've been speaking with Christina Angelova. She is the head for Sustainable Finance at WWF Singapore, right here on Money FM 89.3. We are Singapore's most influential radio station.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.